0: This is Katie from Idaho, and I don't even know what the crap I doubt it with Dallamore is.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallamore. Welcome to the show this March 11th, 2015, episode 105, our first birthday episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, the birthday boy himself, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, sour faced as always, is the lovely, talented, educated, yet sour, Brittany Page.
0: I was not making a sour face. I was making a confused face because we've been using the word anniversary this whole time when we talk about the show and how it's the anniversary. And now you're calling it a birthday. Oh, I guess. So yeah, there's a I'm, difference. There's just, a difference. I'm just wondering which one. W- apparently, we decided to go with birthday.
1: Uh, uh, no, I, I'll retract uh, one. The first anniversary. No, I don't know. That's weird. Anniversary. Yeah. Is it? I- is that right?
0: I don't know. Happy anniversary of ha- the podcast.
1: Yeah. So, so actually, coincidentally enough, one year ago today, we put out our first episode. What a wild ride it's been. And we're not going to do anything weird or any retrospective or anything because we just did that with the 100th <laughs> episode. It would be too much. It's too much celebratory behavior for me
0: and if you didn't see we actually put the the hundred episode drop celebration on YouTube yeah and so you know if you have a favorite drop that you wanted to tell us about um you know you can let us let us know
1: let let us know
0: yeah (laughs) I'm not good at this
1: (laughs) are we just finding out now a hundred episodes deep yeah that you're uh
0: Not good at stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know, thanks for joining us. Um, One year in, obviously, we have far, far more people who listen to us than did one year ago. And we're thankful for every single one of you. Uh, I will treat this 100th birthday slash anniversary episode much like I do regular birthdays. And that is with little fanfare. So with that, we thank you for listening, for tuning in as often as you do twice weekly to us ramble about the news news with, of course, ridiculous comment. So, uh, before we get started, I want to talk about, um, something that happened to Brittany and I this week that was odd. And it made me reflect upon just how similar we are. Um, well, I tell you what, here, here's what happened. Brittany and I were at Costco, which is a warehouse shopping center. Uh, outside of which they sell slices of hot dogs and or slices of pizza and hot dogs.
0: Also slices of hot dogs, I, I guess. guess. If you
1: wanted to get them sliced, mm-hmm. yeah. And um it's a weird outdoor seating area, and this was during lunchtime, the lunch hour. So it was very full. And an old old lady, and I don't mean like yeah, it was an old bag. I mean she's an elderly Like, oh, shit, watch her. She might pass out and be dead Mm -hmm. at any moment. Mm -hmm. And she was standing with her cart directly across from you where i would have been sitting Mm -hmm. on the outdoor like mcdonald's type table outside
0: right so i i had you know procured a table right and i was waiting for you to come back and this woman just is is standing with her cart where you would be sitting and at one point you came over and she was like you're gonna sit next to her right like, you're not going to sit across from her. You will be sitting next to her, right?
1: Right, which we have talked about at length on this show in previous episodes about how much I hate same-siding.
0: Right. I don't like
1: to same-side because when we go out to eat together, I like to sit across from you so I can talk to you while we eat and have a, a, a time. It's a, it's a nice time where if we're sitting next to one another, I have to crane my stupid neck and get a cramp in my neck just to talk to you while we eat. So it's not a good time, right? So my response to her, and it, she, the way she phrased it was not really a question. It she was telling me you're sitting next to her. So I said, "Oh, uh, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess I will." <laughs> and and then she was kind of awkward. And then later, I think she realized how it came across and tripped all over her little frail legs, trying to apologize. I wasn't telling you; I was asking you whether you were gonna anyway. So. We're about halfway done with our meal and her little crotchety old man ready to fall down and die husband comes over.
0: With hot dogs. With
1: hot dogs. Slices of hot dogs. It's a joke.
0: For him and his wife.
1: Right. And so he... It's just this cute little elderly couple and the way they interacted. And But here's what really set the bar for me having the thought that we're all really the same and nothing really changes other than how wrinkly you are and how low your balls are, I guess. He... He asks her, what do you want me to put on your hot dog, darling?" Or whatever the hell he said. Mm -hmm. And she very, very clearly and explicitly said, mustard and onions, no ketchup. Yes. And then he asked again, so no ketchup, you said? Yes, that's right. No ketchup, mustard and onions. Yes. So he waddles off to the onion dispensary area Mm -hmm. (laughs) and comes back. With a hot dog slathered in ketchup and covered in, in onions. Mm-hmm. And she proceeds to...
0: Laugh, actually. <laughs> right. And says, um, I said no ketchup. And he says, no, you said ketchup. No,
1: you said ketchup.
0: And she's like, no, I didn't say ketchup. I said mustard. Ketchup is too sweet. And I'm like going to get sick. Like she starts going into this long thing about how she's going to get sick. And
1: he says... It's all the same thing. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah. Like just brushing off her concerns about the fact that he didn't listen. And she says, you didn't listen. You're not listening. So
1: as they sit down, she says, you're trying to kill me. (laughs) And then proceeds to bitch more about how she she she's insistent at this point. I said mustard. I said no ketchup. And this is where it got a little weird. He starts to get angry. Or not, I mean, an old man angry. It wasn't like there was no worry about a violent situation. Right. But he was getting aggravated. Mm -hmm. And he goes, no, you told me twice. You told me twice you wanted ketchup. So now he's naming the number of times as though he has this crystal clear memory of what took place. Meanwhile... Brittany and I are sitting, same side in it, right next to one another.
0: And they are directly in front of us, by the way. This is like an intimate situation. I mean,
1: the the table is barely, it's barely big enough for two people to sit across from one another. I mean, their their foods and drinks are, they're touching the wrappers of ours. It's very, very small. Yes. It's odd that a stranger would sit across from you in this situation because...
0: You can smell all their smells.
1: Right. And it's old people smell. It's the smell of impending death if you know what I mean. So we were there, party to the conversation. Mm -hmm. We witnessed the entire thing go down, and she absolutely, as I've already talked about... Said mustard. Said fucking mustard. (laughs) So what struck me as we were leaving the scene of the crime was this could have been a 16-year-old couple, this could have been a 30-year-old couple, it just happened to be, you know, an 85 to 90 year old couple and nothing. The the dialogue for the script that took place and then laid itself out in front of us didn't change. It wouldn't have changed whether they were 50 or, you know, whether they're 150.
0: Right. It's still you're not listening. You did something that was completely the opposite of what I asked.
1: Right. And then not only saying no, the way I heard it was he goes into specific detail
0: Wrong detail. Yeah,
1: what's what's the term? uh, (laughs) The gas, gaslighting? Right. It's almost like he was gaslighting her. Right. For the sake of the audience, because I didn't know what it was until you told me.
0: Right, gaslighting is something it's you know a manipulative technique that people use i guess to make women feel like they are crazy by making them believe that they don't know what they're talking about or they don't know what they just said or Or they don't know what they saw or
1: they're blowing something out of proportion right you're crazy that's not you're just thinking of it weird yeah yeah right right so
0: and it's it's also interesting because he is The whole interaction was just typical of how communication goes about any kind of controversial topic, right? You start retreating into your corners. For the
1: record, controversial was in air quotes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, You start retreating...
1: One year, everybody. Still not getting the, you can't see us.
0: Yes. You start (laughs) retreating into your corners and it doesn't even become about the topic anymore. It becomes about, well, I'm right, she's wrong, and I need to prove that I'm right, she's wrong. It doesn't even become about the ketchup anymore or the hot dog. It's just, no, you're wrong. Shut up and be quiet.
1: Yeah. So needless to say, or maybe it does need to be said, we finished our food post-haste and got the hell out of there because... I wasn't going to sit there and smell the death and hot dogs any longer. <laughs> or watch the mishmash. She tried to take the hot dog out of the bun. It was a whole scene. There was- she,
0: she didn't want the bun. She only wanted the hot dog. Like, it was amazing to watch what was happening. Yeah,
1: And the bun is steamed on to the goddamn hot dog. There's no way to extricate it yeah. without making a giant mess, which she proceeded to do.
0: It's kind of, you know, you, know, you go through this life cycle. You start out young. You that know, is how you, it you works. You start going, getting old. Yep. But as you get old, you start becoming like young again. Some of your behaviors. Oh yeah, childlike. Right. So you you want only the hot dog. You right. know you, you you don't want the bun. You right. make a mess while you're eating to just eat only the hot dog. Like it's uh, that's that's a kid thing. I just
1: think. fucking kill me. I don't want to do it.
0: Okay, that's excessive.
1: No, I just look. I I I think I would take the Tuesdays with Maury um, stance that as soon as I can't wipe my own ass, just. Let me fucking just hold my head in a sink full of water. Do something. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be around.
0: We'd have to find like, I don't know, someone that, that could do that because I think he would fight them. And that would not be. Well,
1: I mean, obviously, I'm advocating for assisted suicide or self suicide at that at that late stage.
0: Right. Well, you want someone to hold your head in the sink. I'm just saying it's going to require a certain kind of person to be able to, to well, do that. Well, I don't
1: want it to be a violent death because, look.
0: We're going to have to call Mark Wahlberg in much, here to take care of that. As
1: much as I don't get embarrassed, I don't want a violent death because I'll probably poop my pants on the way out. <laughs> and that's, you know, no nobody wants to be the last memory and image of them. Oh, yep, yeah, Pooped his pants. Mm-hmm. I don't want that.
0: I think that's fair. <laughs> I and think I, that's fair. I
1: think if I go while I sleep or in a tranquil way and not a violent kicking screaming don't choke me out kind of a I'm drowning way the likelihood of the the old poopin of the pants is uh is high. Right. So so that happened. So moving on to more pressing business and in the nature of follow up we put a call out to loyal listeners of the show Brett number two and Allison and Brett loyally answered our call we he they live in Boston in the Boston area and I misspoke about the Catholicism thing but they got married in the Catholic Church anyway uh, Brett emailed us back and had some things to add being the man on the ground about the Catholic school removing itself from the St. Patty's Day parade in Boston.
0: Right. So he says, hey, folks, parenthetically, because I would not want to further fuel the fire that is the battle of whose name appears first in the emails and or play the pronoun game.
1: Yeah. I don't like folks either. I want to be first. <laughs> you could say, hello, Jesse and other person who is on the show. That's <laughs> fine. If you don't want to play that pronoun game.
0: All right. Anyway, but I want.
1: Listen, God damn it. Anyway, the our... audience they just don't get me. They don't get me, Brittany.
0: Nobody does. Okay. Okay. <laughs> He says, I am writing in response to the St. Patrick's Day controversy regarding the Catholic school protesting the parade in Boston. I put controversy in quotes because of the old who will protest this year question comes up this time every single year, and it is increasingly sad for a city whose reputation has long had an anti gay stigma associated with it. Boston has made great strides to quell this long-held belief, with the mayor going so far as to publicly support LGBT groups in connection with the SPD parade just last year. But every year, the city suffers setbacks like this. To me, it is more encouraging that our political figureheads are joining the pro-LGBT rights cause then it is discouraging that a Catholic school is so stuck in its antiquated belief system. Really, the parade has become two things. One, an excuse for everyone from teens to the elderly to binge drink in public. And two, a platform for both pro-gay and anti-gay activists. It is much ado about nothing at this point, just part of the yearly ritual. It is depressing to think that the byproduct of the school's protest is the reinforcement of these anti-gay sentiments in the students' beliefs, especially with respect to those who have fought for our country and deserve reverence for doing so. But to those of us reading about it every year, it has unfortunately become old hat. He also says, oh, finally, definitely not a Catholic, married in a Catholic church for the woman I love, but I consider myself to be of the unaffiliated ilk.
1: Well, join the ranks. We are happy to have you. (laughs) Or maybe you joined before me and I'm joining your ranks. But thank you for the email, Brett number two. Uh, We appreciate it very much. And, you know, now that he talks about it, it it does seem like a a yearly occurrence of who's going to, whether it be, you know, Bill Donahue, Dick Hole Bill Donahue from the Catholic League or some other group that's deciding that they're going to throw a fit and get some headlines. My only concern, and you know that obviously that's concerning because we as a society need to back, um, you know, be on the right side of history. But my concern would be: Do you think these kids in this elementary school knew about the hubbub, about the controversy, or do you think they were spared and just unwilling pawns?
0: Um, I have no idea.
1: Hmm. Well, I would hope, I really would hope that. The school administrators and the teachers and everybody involved were wise enough and forward-looking enough to to keep them out of it because it's it's like parents who have their children holding abortion sign with you know chopped up fetuses on the street corner or any any other parent that gets their child involved in politics you know having their kid down there at Occupy Wall Street it's leave the kids out of it
0: yeah i definitely agree with that
1: and it's especially in this kind of a thing it's you don't want to associate sorry little johnny you're not allowed to be in the parade this year because of those damn queers you you know what i mean you just don't want to associate something negative with oh the gays they ruined it for you
0: yeah i also just think i mean it's it's almost kind of narcissistic to kind of mold your kid into exactly who you are. Like I'm so right about everything that I need to indoctrinate my kid into believing everything I believe. Like, don't you want your kid who is a separate person from you, by the way, to become who they are and (laughs) and who they want to be. And you know, I mean, I
1: laugh. I laugh because more people should think that way. That little Johnny is not just a carbon copy of me. This is another individual. It's another human being with his own his own mind, his own uh, free will, his own determination. it's it's not just you know, a cookie cutter right. so i I, I laugh because really more people should do that. And even people of uh, uh, like Brett number two said, the unaffiliated ilk. I Definitely. cringe I cringe when atheists are cramming that viewpoint down their their children's throats. It, it's odd. I think it's um, cultish and weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, they should just be open to explore different avenues, and that's the best time for that. And it, it's kind of an issue that's close to my heart, too, because as a kid, I was indoctrinated with certain beliefs, and it was hard to break free of that. Yeah, sure. And my parents were not right about right. Uh, anything i guess i could say um <laughs> so you know it was hard for me to escape a lot of that and i know how hard it can be just based on my personal experience sure. and i feel bad for kids that that have to overcome it
1: all right so next up
0: pew pew pew
1: i still need a drop no one's helped help me out with a drop here
0: i know it sucks
1: pew research Uh, did some, some studying or gathered some data on leaving one religion for another and the people that do that.
0: Right. More than half of the U.S. adult population has changed religious affiliations at least once during their lives, most before they reach the age of 50, according to a 2009 Faith in Flux report by.
1: (laughs) Wow. Faith in Flux. Yes. Ah, Yes,
0: yes. In many cases, the move is from one major religious tradition to another, say Protestantism to Catholicism. Uh, You know, I
1: I have a problem with that. And (laughs) I know we've talked about this a little bit. I don't think leaving one Christian flavor to another. Is 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 the same? You know what I mean? Because that's it's still ice cream. If you go from ice cream to sherbet, that's different. To what? Sherbet. Okay. Is it sherbet or sherbert?
0: It is most definitely sherbert, and not an shibbit.
1: <laughs> I didn't say it was some it's Jewish not holiday, shit
0: bitch, or whatever you just said. Okay.
1: <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was sherbert or sherbet. Mm-hmm. So I kind of
0: rainbow sherbet.
1: I thought that's what it was. Is it supposed
0: to be Sherbet?
1: I don't know. But that's not the point.
0: Okay. Because like Colbert, you the know. The point
1: is... Uh,
0: <laughs> trying to think. You interrupted me mid-sentence. I was still reading. That's, so learn learned to be me. That's okay? my
1: job. So here's my thing, is going from Catholicism to Protestantism is like going from Rocky Road to Vanilla. Where if you go from catholic or christian to muslim that's like going from from ice cream to sherbert
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's not the same you are it's all in the religion category
0: okay i think your analogy is terrible
1: it is most certainly not terrible
0: okay so this is why you don't research this topic i it's guess still though, ice
1: cream because that's what i'm saying they're treating Pew. if there's an opening i can be the guy who makes the analogies no for you no, no no to no. make it make sense to people <laughs> i got more than just ice cream analogies too I got like automobile analogies. I've got I've got tons of them, trust me. The amount of analogies I have is like the the number of stars in the seat right there. There's another analogy. Man.
0: Okay. So What's
1: it like sitting across the table from someone with just so much going on?
0: I have a migraine right now. <laughs> so
1: Continue.
0: So what I was saying, though, this is why you don't study it, because Pew Research is studying just any religious transition. And I think that's important to note, you know, just to see kind of what the the trends are. Okay. Yeah. So while some people. Oh, and this also includes people who leave organized religion altogether. So while some people leave their childhood religion only to return later, about 44 percent do not currently belong to the religion in which they were raised.
1: You and I would both be a part of that uh, percentage.
0: Yep, and so would my best friend and your best friend.
1: Yeah, and their—well, not their spouses. M- no, my best friend's spouse.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but only forty-four percent.
0: I think that's a pretty, a pretty good number.
1: Well, I think a pretty good number would be if they leave religion altogether. Not trading in one flavor of mythology. Sorry, I don't want to say flavor. Not trading one mythology for another. It's still mythology. You're still a slave to myths and lies. Anyway, go ahead. What, what, What more does Pew have to say?
0: Well, that's about it, because it's just in this Wall Street Journal article about when we leave one religion for another, and they feature a narrative about identical twin brothers who grew up in a devout Baptist home, and as they grew older, um, the two brothers became two different things, and different from the Baptist faith. So one is now a Roman Catholic priest, and the other is an Anglican bishop.
1: Wow, so they both are in church. Does it say whether they were raised with a father or a mother who was in leadership position within a religion? Or is that just the nature of their monozygotic upbringing?
0: <laughs> I am not sure, but obviously one of the brothers is celibate and then one of the brothers is married and has four kids, so yeah, they they it, took a very different it, religious path.
1: I get that, but one's not an engineer and one's a Catholic priest. One's a Catholic priest and one's, you know, part of the the, the uh, anglican church episcopalian what'd you say it was
0: anglican church
1: Huh. democracy 2016 facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism
0: Every time I hear that music, it makes me smile and I wonder if it does that for other people or if I'm just like a weirdo. Or
1: if they're just, they're they're regretting what is to come. Right. They're, That's probably the case. They're lamenting the, ugh, it's going to be politics. Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about politics, but this is really politics. Yeah. Just like this story is really politics, I believe. Um, Hillary Clinton has been under fire relative to using a personal email address Uh, while in the capacity as Secretary of State for the United States. And while I don't have strong feelings about it, it, it it is certainly problematic. So the other day after giving a speech on the floor of the United Nations, she came out and addressed the press specifically about it.
0: When I got to work as Secretary of State, I opted for convenience to use my personal email account, which was allowed by the State Department because I thought it would be easier to carry just one device for my work and for my personal emails instead of two. Hillary Clinton speaks out for the first time about all those email questions. She claims there are 60,000 emails in question and that she turned over half of them, the government-related ones, to the State Department. The former Secretary of State explained that the other 30,000 are private and they were about her daughter's wedding details and yoga, etc. She did not specify whether she deleted them or if they're still on the server. When asked about the server, the private one in question, she explained that the server was set up back when President Clinton was in office and that access will quote, remain private. Looking back, it would have been better if I simply used a second email account and carried a second phone. But at the time, this didn't seem like an issue. This is the first time she's addressed the matter since the reports made national headlines. Reports indicate she is planning on launching her campaign for 2016 on April 1st.
1: So the few things that I do have a problem with are, well, I guess it all centers around the fact that she's just asking us to well, take my word for it. Take my word for it that all of the emails that were related to, to the job I turned over. Well, we'd like to look at your server so we can determine if that's the truth. No, the server's going to remain private. You have to just trust me. You have to just take my word for it. And with the record that politicians... And I won't even get into especially the Clintons, but with the record that politicians have from Bill Clinton to Dick Cheney to George Bush to Barack Obama relative to transparency, it's problematic for me. I think it also screams and is a a harbinger of things to come of what a Hillary Clinton presidency would look like. Oh, I did something that's not completely above board you're just going to have to trust me that I didn't do anything untoward. When there is a possibility of 30,000 emails that were deleted that we just have to trust didn't have anything to do with State Department business.
0: So this sounds like a different stance that you had previously.
1: No, 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 no. Like I said, I, I, I ultimately, I, I don't think that there's anything here. I don't think it's that big a deal. And I do think the Republicans need to keep their messaging in check and don't cry wolf. I believe that to be true. I'm just saying for me, it's just a problem for the theme of things because Barack Obama promised the most transparent presidency in the history of mankind. He said that the healthcare debate would take place on C-SPAN. Everything would be out in the open, everything. And it was not just the opposite. It was the exact opposite if there was a way for it to be more opposite than what it was he said it was we we didn't even know what was in the bill for the affordable care act until they passed it so there there was no transparency and it's a problem i have with politicians dick cheney might be you know uh, the top of the the wanted list relative to this behavior where i'm in government i know what's best I'm going to do this, you just shut your mouth, and you just live with the consequences of my actions. Very problematic. It's it's terrible. It's not the way that things were intended to be at the formation of our government. It, this is a it, it, citizen government. They're not kings. They're not royalty. These are just regular citizens who we vote to take care of the business of our government. Mm-hmm. So... It's problematic. I don't know that it rises to the level of, you know, committee hearings and all the bullshit, but you know, if you want to be president of the United States, I think you need to be a little bit more honest and forthcoming and not just wink, wink, take my word. Everything's above board. So kind of related to the presidency, not an official dollar nugget. But there is a movement afoot by an organization called Women on the on Twenties, Women on Twenties, to replace Andrew Jackson, who currently resides on the American twenty dollar bill, and they want to have a woman instead.
0: Right. So there are fifteen women that are in the running, I guess. Candidates. Right. (laughs) And you can you can look this up by the way on Women on Twenties women on two zero org, And so the first candidate is Alice Paul.
1: I don't know who that is.
0: It says she is a fierce crusader, hunger striker and strategist whose 10 year campaign led to the women's right to vote.
1: Hmm. So she was a suffragette.
0: She was a lawyer and a social worker for 50 years. She headed the National Women's Party fighting for an equal rights amendment.
1: Hmm. Okay, next. I tell you what, since it sounds like there's going to be a bunch of women that I don't know, and probably if there's going to be a vote on this, aren't going to really have a chance, just kind of get to the notables. How about that? Because I don't want to cover fifth, not to besmirch or not give women their fair shake. That is not what I'm doing. Save your fucking emails. But we, you know, if, for, if for, the, for the benefit of time, just kind of the notables.
0: Rosa Parks.
1: Yeah, of course. Although... I think that I mean, of course, that would be great for to have someone like that on the on a, on the money. Um, although I think it odd that they would put Rosa Parks on on that dollar on that twenty dollar bill rather than Claudette Colvin, who was actually the one who refused prior to Rosa Parks. It was just that the messaging wasn't really wasn't really there. Rosa Parks was someone who worked for. Uh, the NAACP or whatever race group it was at the time, equality group, and she was a little older. You know, she was a middle-aged woman, an elderly woman. They knew they would be sympathetic, um, and they they made a a strategic decision to have Rosa Parks do it when she did it, and but the actual person who did it, kind of um, spontaneously, was a girl named Claudette Colvin, and you know, both of them obviously are brave, and it was awesome that they did what they did. But Claudette Colvin also, I think, needs some recognition that she doesn't really get oftentimes.
0: So another one is Harriet Tubman, who, of course, was born a slave and fled north to freedom, later making 19 trips back to the south, is an underground railroad conductor leading some 300 slaves to freedom.
1: I think that would be an awesome choice. I also think that having some reminder that we, the, the scourge of slavery and human trafficking, um, is a problem that we had to deal with. I think keeping that in the forefront and not just, Oh, let's, let's not talk about it. You know, like they do in Germany with, with uh, the Holocaust and no one can, there's, there's a real sensitivity to that kind of stuff. And I w I don't want it to go away. Obviously it will never, but I would like it to be at the forefront that we are imperfect and we, we have had to overcome obstacles and the mistakes of our past. And having uh, Harriet Tubman on uh, the 20 would be awesome.
0: Right. So another one is Susan B. Anthony. Yeah. A leader in both the abolition and suffrage movements.
1: She would also be good. She also used to be on the dollar coin, I believe. So she's already
0: had her run. Well. I'm just kidding.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I know. I don't know if they did it strategically or not, like a conspiracy theory. But the, the reason they did away with that dollar coin is because it was so close to the quarter in size and it always was getting confused i if i'm if m- memory serves me correctly that was what the deal was so they took it out of circulation but having her on the bill would be a good one too i just think you know if if you have a choice between a white woman and a black woman having so, you know someone of color on the money would be you know it's about goddamn time right you know me i'm big civil rights guy
0: so <laughs> Okay, so the next one is Eleanor Roosevelt, and you know, obviously everyone knows who she yeah. knows who she is. Yeah, she redefined the role of first lady, used her newspaper column, radio, and speeches to champion civil and women's rights, often in opposition to her husband FDR's policies. Like a boss.
1: Like a boss.
0: Then the last one that we will cover is Elizabeth
1: Hasselback. <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't
0: it? Uh huh. Elizabeth Cady Stanton, who, of course, is called the founding genius of the women's rights movement.
1: Yeah. All of those good choices. I, I'm Of course, there are many, many others. Um, but, we, you know, I think the criteria really should be someone who that there was fundamental transformative uh, change as a direct result of what they did or, you know, un, unparalleled bravery and, and gumption. And I I think my vote would still be for Harriet Tubman.
0: Well, you can pick three and cast your vote at this website. And I just did that right now. It's currently submitting my form. Oh, nice. And I'm hoping that it will show like what the running is for people. But, oh, yeah. but I doubt that it will. So
1: that's. Uh, we'll put that on the Facebook page. Obviously, we'll put that on the Facebook page. And you can cast your vote. And hopefully, it catches traction. Here's the other thing that's interesting about this is Andrew Jackson, who is currently on the $20 bill, was a fierce hater of paper money. He, it's almost like a slap in the face, or again, something <laughs> conspiratorial, to have him on, on the $20 bill. Huh. He, he had his Secretary of Treasury uh, put forward what was called the Specie Circular, which was a policy that you couldn't buy land with paper money you had to use gold or silver and then further they took the policy forward to that gold was like the the standard and he hated you know the the bank of the united states he hated the fed this was a guy who wasn't a big fan of paper money so to have him on the 20 dollar bill is like i said kind of a slap in the face and it would be nice to replace him with someone who there isn't that controversy surrounding right so the brookings institute just did a study and released some details about the number of twitter accounts that were in support of isil over the course of last year and the number of twitter accounts is staggering
0: right so the islamic state is the most social media savvy extremist group uh, ever of all time. So they took this opportunity to investigate the group's practices on Twitter and have come to the conclusion that there were at least 46,000 Islamic State supporting Twitter accounts between September 2014 and December 2014.
1: The, now, listen, in the scale of how many t- actual Twitter accounts there are, that number is not that great. It's not that large. However, It's still 50,000 accounts almost.
0: Right. And they say it's possible that as many as 90,000 were in support of the Islamic State, but not all were active at the same time. Wow. So that is a significant amount of people who are tweeting support of people that are cutting the heads off of other human beings.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that's the size of a city.
0: It's very frightening. And if you're trolling and doing this, please stop. Yeah, <laughs> not not a funny trolling activity. Well,
1: it's going to end up winding, getting getting. It's going to wind up getting someone um, in a lot of trouble. Some stupid kid, you know, like these idiot kids who make terroristic threats and call in SWAT teams um, on their video game foes. And there's this weird, very pr- prevalent. Um, attitude where they don't take these things seriously. They think it's just a game. Oh, it's just fun, and just I'm just playing a joke. I'm just goofing, and it's serious. You you are. Maybe not giving material support to a terrorist organization, but you're certainly <laughs> giving moral support and you know, nobody needs that.
0: Right. So they found that the typical Islamic State tweeter was probably located in Syria or Iraq, though accounts were found as far away as Brazil, and that on average they had around a thousand followers. Three quarters had Arabic selected as their primary language, while almost one in five had selected English. While most of these accounts bore no official relation to the governance of the Islamic state, many were presumably ISIS fanboys, Hmm. which is apparently a thing. Goddamn. And you just learned that today. Well, listen,
1: if Justin Bieber has fanboys, I guess he probably doesn't have a large male following, but... If, you know, idiots like that or Kim Kardashian and these type of vapid individuals who claim to be entertainers, if they have a large fan base, you know, what's to stop a ruthless, brutal, murderous organization like ISIL from having fans who just happen to be disaffected, radical Islamists, you know?
0: Right. The report notes that a thousand Islamic State supporting accounts were suspended by Twitter during this time frame that they were examined and that this tactic appears to have accelerated recently with reports at the start of March that Twitter had suspended 2000 accounts in one week.
1: Right. Well, the 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 founder, the co-founder of Twitter has um, there have been death threats and threats of violence against his family as a direct result of that policy on Twitter's part. It's just, look, it's a dangerous world in which we live. It's no longer, I know, I know the t- statistics, th- that the, you, are, you are more likely to be hit by a car or have something choke or drown than to be the victim of a terrorist attack, but th- the astronomical odds that they are now are becoming more and more, the chances are becoming greater. They're still slim to none, Let's keep them slim to none. Let, let's maintain some of the policies we have and maintain some of the support for those policies in order to keep those numbers as astronomical as they are.
0: I thought this was interesting. The report concluded that while the suspensions limit the success of the Islamic State in spreading its message on Twitter, they fail to completely wipe out propaganda efforts on the services. The study also warns of unintended consequences in the suspension campaign, most notably the isolation of pro-Islamic State accounts. Importantly, some of the official Islamic State accounts have shifted to using accounts with high privacy settings and taking extra measures, such as using the Twitter's default egg profile picture right. to avoid detection. Yeah. So they're they're starting to become evasive in how they get found.
1: It's a bummer. But you know, it's the world in which we live relative to technology that we're just going to have to evolve rapidly um, in in combating them using technology. It's kind of a stark contrast from what Al Qaeda you know 1.0 with Osama bin Laden, they had to resort to No electronic communications, no sat phones, no cell phones, physically having horseback delivered handwritten notes that they couldn't be tracked and traced. And it's it's interesting to see this next generation of terrorist organization just leaning into the technology and just embracing it. So up next, something a little lighter (laughs) for you, for you uh, smokers out there. University College London and the British Heart Foundation just released a study that um, has come to the conclusion that it is likely that smoking probably does not lessen your anxiety.
0: Right. They examined nearly 6,500 people over the age of 40 in the United Kingdom on their smoking habits and mental health. More than 18% of smokers in the study reported having anxiety and depression compared to just 10% of non-smokers and 11.3% of ex-smokers. What's more, the smokes smokes, (laughs) may be the source of some anxiety. The study also found that long term ex-smokers, those who had kicked the habit for more than a year, had anxiety and depression profiles similar to participants who had never smoked. This finding suggests that quitting smoking may actually be the way to boost your mental health.
1: Well, that's although not shocking. That is not a a finding that I would uh, quarrel with. Um, it, It is a very common apparent possible misconception that it it relaxes me i I get real edgy and it's that's probably what it is it's the juxtaposition between feeling edgy because you're nicking out you need a cigarette and and then once you no longer feel those urges and cravings you you don't you feel like your your anxiety or your you're relaxed but it's just that your heightened sense and need for that product is no longer there
0: Right. I think you're you're saying what Mike Napton, the associate medical director for British Heart Foundation said, just in a different way. He said- He probably
1: said it more succinctly, succinctly and intelligently.
0: He said, the perception of a cigarette relieving stress is a misrepresentation of what's actually happening. What you're really experiencing when you light up a cigarette is the early signs of withdrawal. Those symptoms of withdrawal are very similar to stress. The cigarette will relieve those symptoms and you think it's making you feel better, but all it's doing is Is abolishing the early signs of nicotine withdrawal then of course this cycle goes on cigarette after cigarette yeah yeah so that makes a lot of sense
1: so what you're saying is i'm a pretty smart guy who you know was able to extrapolate the data and come to a conclusion in the course of the last you know two minutes while you were reading is that what you're saying
0: right because we know for a fact that you don't read any of the articles that i (laughs) send to you before we do the show i just want to add this last thing
1: Wow, a little inside baseball there for you,
0: folks. Right. According to <laughs> according to Mike Napton, um, a British Heart Foundation survey conducted last year found that a third of UK smokers claimed they couldn't quit the habit because they believed in the anxiety-reducing effects of smoking. He says, if you think the smoking is managing your stress, it isn't. It's making it worse. So just everybody, I know we've been talking a lot about smoking, but hopefully we are saving some lives here. Yeah, but it's
1: also, you know... <laughs> An addict will say anything in order to get the fix. They will manipulate. They will lie. They will They will steal. I mean, obviously, there's not a lot of cigarette smokers, I think, who are probably committing crimes. But there are drugs that, that lead people to commit burglary and, and violent crime in order to get that fix. So it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility for me that an addict, cigarette or not, whatever is going to convince themselves that oh, I really need this because it's I can't quit because it makes me feel good. I need it for that.
0: Right. Well, and I mean anyone who's saying I can't quit smoking because it's... It's good for my health.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this last week, some California tourists, American tourists, we're in, we're in Italy and taking a tour of the Coliseum the beautiful, historic wonder of the world that they were able to create this this architectural feat in ancient Rome. Two girls carved their initials into the wall, a wall they like broke away from their tour party or something, and carved their initials into the wall of the Colosseum. And that's not even maybe the worst part of it. Then these idiots took a selfie with their initials carved into the wall and posted it.
0: Yeah. So they are age 21 and 25. Their names have not been released. And they're from California. Joyous. They carved their initials, two letters, J and N. And each of these letters were about eight inches in length. And they scratched these onto a brick wall at the the historic Roman amphitheater. Right? Colosseum. And they have been arrested because this is not okay. (laughs) Terrible. And apparently they weren't aware that it's not okay, but they are now facing a fine for aggravated damage on a building of historical and artistic interest. And last November authorities in Rome slapped a $21,685 penalty on a Russian tourist caught carving his name into the famed landmark. So they are probably going to be facing a similar fine, $22,000. Twenty-two thousand dollars. Good. Pretty it, hefty.
1: Listen, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any heartburn over it if it was a fifty thousand dollar fine. We only have one Coliseum. We only have that piece representing that. There's not. Goddamn! I mean, it is ridiculous, disrespectful, damaging. Graf- to call it graffiti is just—it's not weighty enough, in in my mind. You know what I mean? And then these assholes take a selfie. I mean, I'm glad that someone in their tour group
0: alerted them out. Yeah,
1: alerted. They saw them doing it and alerted right. the authorities. It's awesome. So th- there's a video. I don't know if it's floating around the internet or if I just found it, but some Italian guy was walking around with his camera like interviewing and it seemed like he was only hitting the Americans um, but interviewing people about what they thought about uh, someone who would carve uh, their their initials in and Obviously, most of the, the responses to the guy's questions were were reasonable and rational, but there was one that was very disturbing.
0: I don't think it's cool. Anna, don't, Anna, don't make us look bad. I think it's awful. I think it's think cool. yeah, it's really yeah. yeah, I would never girl. leave my name. I don't know. I just think it's <laughs> like yeah. a, it's like a historical piece. Why, why do you need your name in it? You didn't build it, so. Really cool. I don't know. Like why do you think it's cool? It's like leaving your mark. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think it's cool. They're stupid. They're, it's a it's a monument. You know, it's, it's part of your history. It, we shouldn't be putting our graffiti on it. That's a very stupid action.
1: That girl in the middle there, she's not being raised right or something. She, she's an idiot.
0: Who thought it was cool because yeah. you can leave your mark?
1: I think it's cool because it's like you're leaving your mark.
0: Well, it's kind of like this society that we're living in with the selfie culture and everyone is very narcissistic and selfish and it's about them. And when you are at the Coliseum, it's not it shouldn't about be you. like, oh, my God, I'm at the Coliseum. I need to leave my mark. It's, Oh, my God, I'm at the Coliseum. I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so lucky to be experiencing this. I can't believe where I am You're
1: witnessing history.
0: I can't believe yeah. what happened here. Like, this is amazing. Like, it's not about you
1: at all about you.
0: So don't carve your freaking initials into the Coliseum.
1: Yeah. It's ugh.
0: It's like that girl who took the selfie at Auschwitz when she was smiling with a giant smile on her face. Right,
1: with no no understanding. The, the,
0: the problem
1: with the the selfie girl at Auschwitz wasn't necessarily the selfie, although that was terrible. It was the re- it was the reaction after after the fact. It was her posting pictures of Hitler and being a a, a, a wild maniacal, unapologetic asshole after the fact. It's, listen, Americans have a hard enough time maintaining any kind of decent reputation around the world. We don't need the help from 21 and 25-year-old assholes carving their initials into one of the wonders of the ancient world. It's terrible.
0: Well, this is weird, too, because in this article, they talk about how an X-rated film was shot next to the pyramids and the Sphinx. Yeah? Yeah, and they're now investigating it. And then apparently, there's been a string of naked tourism incidents at Machu Picchu. <laughs> so, there's all kinds of different.
1: Does it say whether it's Americans every time or if it's, you know, uh, other people? Because it's embarrassing.
0: Well, these people that were misbehaving at the Coliseum, they talk about a Russian, two Australians, a Canadian. What? what? And a Brazilian um and they range in age so the two australians were a father and a son and then some of them are teenagers but these other ones they don't really talk about you know well who it listen is.
1: I, I don't i don't have any 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 issue with a brazilian or an australian or a canadian having a bad reputation because it doesn't really affect me it doesn't it doesn't hit as close to home but being an american it's get your shit together Stand up straight, act right, be polite, don't act like you're the center of the world. Louis C.K. does a bit where he talks about going to Africa, that it's such an American thing that you go to Africa and you look around you're like, yeah, oh, look at all these foreigners. It's, <laughs> it's a weird thing. And Americans need to be more self-aware of how they come across and that although America is a mighty country, we are not the center of the goddamn world.
0: So, the chain of naked tourism at Machu Picchu. You read it. Four American tourists, Uh, two Canadians, and two Australians. What is
1: going on with the Canadians? That is shocking to me.
0: Yeah. You're supposed to be more well-behaved than us. And polite. Yes.
1: And cool. Yes. And friendly.
0: Better manners than we have. Yes. Stripping down naked. They were
1: probably French-Canadian.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Profiling. (laughs)
1: All right. Well, we try to leave you with positive news. That uh, that is going to do it for us today. We appreciate you listening. If you'd like to support the show, other than by listening twice a week, you can visit dollarmore.com. Along the left side of the page, there's a search bar for Amazon. You can, if you're going to spend your money anyway at Amazon, by buying a book or electronics or school supplies or clothes or groceries, you can do it there. Every little bit goes a long way towards supporting us helping us defray costs. If there is anything you'd like to comment on, I haven't dropped the phone number one time this episode, 657-464-7609. You can also email us at idoubtit at We are still collecting the drops that, that uh, go at the front of the show where you say who you are, where you're from, and that you never listen to the show. We're still collecting those. We probably won't stop collecting those. You can call that number 657-464-7609 or record yourself on your smartphone and email it to it at Until next time, we love you, stay genuine, and keep moving the conversation forward. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I don't want a violent death because I'll probably poop my pants on the way out. <laughs>